0: Economist Benjamin Grimm once said the investor's chief problem and even his worst enemy is likely to be himself This quote captures perfectly that tendency for investors to act Irrationally and in ways that are contrary to their own interests over the past few decades an entire academic discipline has sprung up on this topic behavioral finance which is the study of the influence of psychology on investor behavior. While we investors would like to think we always carefully weigh our options and sensibly choose the ones that offer the most benefit, the fact that that we often don't, it turns out that real people aren't even really good at identifying options, let alone choosing the right one. We tend to misinterpret information and miscalculate simple statistical probabilities. And we react to events in emotional and often counterproductive ways. How's my financial health doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Welcome back, everybody, to the How is My Financial Health Doc podcast, and I am your host, Vu Ketran. Today, we're going to talk more about behavioral finance and talk about another behavior that makes the investor their worst enemy. I have a good friend with me today, and his name is Chris Rugel. Chris is a financial advisor and a portfolio manager, and he is an expert at behavioral finance because he sees all the mistakes that his clients make every single day so i welcome chris again back on the show to continue our conversation about behavioral finance so i'm gonna introduce chris chris um you could probably do a better job than i just did there why don't you introduce yourself uh, and tell us what you do thank
1: you thank you dr tran okay so a little bit about myself Uh, I am a Senior Director and Associate Portfolio Manager at Vector Global Canada. Vector Global is a Portfolio Manager. We're based in Toronto, uh, but we are actually an American firm. Uh, We provide asset management to clients around the world. I myself am a former trader with one of the big banks in Canada, uh, and I've been managing either individual or institutional assets for over 25 years.
0: Thank you, Chris, for the intro and coming back on the show to talk about behavioral finance. Today, we're gonna to be talking about confirmation bias. Let's uh, move on to a second um, common mistake that investors make. What what would you say is the second most common or something that you've seen very, very often?
1: I would say confirmation bias is a very common one. I think you and I discussed it um... In terms of the overconfidence they're kind of one in the same that one's very very common confirmation bias is is pretty common in in many in many areas in politics for example where a person's own point of view their subjective confidence and their judgment is relies a lot on their own on their own judgment and their own experience we see that today around COVID, for example that's that's a great example of confirmation bias uh, somehow doctors and scientists aren't good enough now to tell us, you know, what's the right move to do with, you know, how to handle COVID. You know, we sort of decide for ourselves what is better, you know, and, and ignore the professionals in the field. That's a, that's an example of confirmation bias. So that does happen with, with, with investing as well. You know, if you are in tech, you tend to uh, invest mostly in tech. If you are in... Real estate, oh, this is a big one. If you are in real estate, which many people are in Canada and especially in the GTA, then there is no better asset class than real estate. And I'm not you know, denigrating real estate. I'm just saying that if you are in that space, that is your preferred asset class. And so you give it a, a, a preference. That also occurs, occurs a lot in the investor profile for Canadians. We have a very Canadian, pro-Canadian bias in our portfolios. Oh, interesting. In relative terms, Canada is 3% of the world market. Yes. And yet, most Canadians, some Canadians are 100% invested in Canada. Interesting. very okay. little exposure outside of Canada. Or at the very least, they have a very, very overweight position in Canada 30, 40, 50% Canadian exposure. we 3% of the market. So that kind of bias exists all over the place. It's manageable. Um, and, you know, if you did have a real estate bias over the last 10, 20 years, you probably made good money. Yeah. Um, but there are moments where that confirmation bias can work
0: against you. Absolutely. You, you mentioned uh, overconfidence There's also in that same over uh, optimism, right? So yes. we're very optimistic about one asset class or one stock, for example, right? You mentioned earlier another uh, common mistake that people make is being under-diversified or over-diversified. And this can come into play in the confirmation bias too, right? I could be so over, sorry, so, so under-diversified that 100% of my portfolio is in Canadian equities or uh, a, a good chunk of my portfolio is in REITs and real estate and other type of real estate investments.
1: Well, there's a danger in both being under-diversified and being over-diversified, but the dangers are obviously very, very different. This, this again, is very connected to that emotional investing, what you know. Again, if you're in tech, if you're in real estate, you're probably overweight those particular uh, asset classes, but that precisely, that's what leads to under-diversification, right? If you're very, very overweight real estate, some people are you know, their entire net worth is in real estate. So well, it's not a bad thing. You've probably made good money over the last few years, but you are now under diversified. That is just a mathematical fact. On the other hand, uh, being afraid to take a chance, there's a risk in that. And that's when you are over diversified. I don't, I don't think you should be afraid to take a chance on a particular sector uh, or perhaps overweight a specific asset class. In the case of real estate, that would have been good. Um, there's no doubt that at certain points, one asset class will outperform another asset class. So at one point, gold and resources will outperform industrials. Uh, Technology may outperform utilities. Healthcare might outperform financials. So, And obviously, vice versa, any of these can be the opposite. At any given point in time, that can happen. So evaluating the current environment is very important in order to make decisions that will help your portfolio. Uh, Warren Buffett, uh, one of the probably the most famous investors in the world, he says that there's no shame in using index funds. Um, and he's right. For someone who wants to do it themselves, a uh, sort of a set it and forget it, uh, you know, solution, index funds are quite diversified, uh, both in the securities themselves, as well as in sectors. Um, however, the, the only problem is that with going with index funds is that you're going to be so diversified that you won't outperform. yeah. And you'll simply ride the ups and downs of the markets in the long term. In the long term, the markets have shown X amount of return. That's what you'll get minus any kind of tracking error. But uh, I do believe in being active. So I believe in having a diversified portfolio, but with reasonable adjustments to your concentrations in order to attempt to achieve better returns than the markets.
0: Now, I've, uh, I've seen some of the portfolios that you've built, uh, even in your portfolio, you use ETFs and index funds. I've seen it. Uh, But what you're saying is, yeah, you could follow the market, but you need, you, you should be able to use your skills, your experience to say, okay, when is the best time to be in this versus that? When is the best time to go in? When is the best time to pull out? Even though you're using ETFs and index funds. And Right. And you're not just using ETFs and index funds, you're, you're using individual stocks as well. You're using other asset class like bonds and, and stuff like that. So it's not to say that, you know, using index funds or ETF is the only way to go. And it's not to say that, you know, active funds is the only way to go. I think there's a good medium where you can actually play both to your advantage.
1: The great thing about uh, the capital markets is that there's many, many options. A tailor-made solution for an an individual investor can be found. It it shouldn't be cookie cutter, one for everyone, uh, one solution for every single investor out there. Everybody has different uh, tolerance to risk. Everyone has different needs. Um, Everyone has different income levels, uh, different family situations, and different priorities. That's a big one. So, you know, making a customized portfolio, I think is important. And whether you do it yourself, which many people can do, or whether you use a professional, I don't believe that there's a one size fits all.
0: Now, you mentioned uh, your do-it-yourself people. Uh, And if you're doing yourself, like I'm a physician, my my full-time job is to see patients. My full-time job is not to sit in front of a computer and watching the numbers go up and down. So obviously... I cannot be an active uh, participant in the market in, in the sense that I'm you know, daily trading. So for a do-it-yourself individual, uh, a follow the market may be a good initial strategy unless you want to become a little bit more sophisticated. But it's a good way for you to get into the market if you're uh, the type of people that says, buy it and leave it type. Set it, forget it. Yeah. Well, that was our discussion on confirmation bias. As you can see with confirmation bias, you could either be over uh, diversified or even under diversified. And with confirmation bias could definitely lead to overconfidence. So those are the things that can happen when we are not aware that we have a bit of confirmation bias. We will have more episodes discussing behavioral finance in future episodes. So please stay tuned. So for now I will leave you all with a self advertisement for my webinar on September 17 an all day interactive webinar on personal financial literacy. So please go to www.beautifultimesinc.ca forward slash conference and workshops. On that website, you will see all the details about the workshop itself and also where you can register for the webinar. And I'm hoping to see some of you there, if not all of you there. Finally, if you want to leave me some comments or suggestions for future topics, you can reach me at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com.
1: How is my financial health doc? podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.